Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandizo, and I'm joined by Patrick Daly. Today's topic will be how to deal with minimum fees. Why do you have minimum fees, and how does pricing work at a translation services firm? Uh, Patrick, uh, I think we should start with the word of the day, and I think because it's so uh, focused on project management, uh, I thought we would choose the word manager. And manager uh, comes from the 1580s. Uh, it's one who directs or controls uh, an agent noun from manage in the specific sense of one charged with conducting a house of business or public institution, uh, which was actually from the 1700s. Now, uh, management is obviously important. And um, the stress here is to understand all the work that a project manager does into building your project. And I think that was kind of where you wanted to start. In other words, why minimums? Why are there minimum charges? Now, of course, it exists in a lot of industries. It's not just translation. But for some reason, it seems to be a hot topic in our business. Yeah, um, I like to think of going back to manager for a second. Um, I think it was mentioned on one of the earlier podcasts that um, the project manager in the translation process is kind of like the captain of a ship. You know, they're kind of overseeing everything, making sure the ship is running smoothly, making sure it gets from point A to point B. Um, so that's how I kind of consider a project manager in a translation project. Um, the reason there's minimum charges are, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because you, one, you have to account for, you know, the cost to actually translate this. So, um, you know, working on the freelance model, we're hiring freelance translators. Um, they're doing that work for us. Um, one reason there's minimums is they have minimum charges to us. So when we pay them, you know, they have a minimum fee that we need to pay every time. Um, but you're not just paying for your project manager time, your translator and editor time. It's also, you know, accounts payable. Anyone else who might be involved in the process from start to finish should get that translation project done. Well, in, in some contexts, too, minimum projects can be very difficult, right? I happen to use the word context, but that's exactly it, is um, sometimes translating a sentence in space uh, can be very difficult. You'd have to ask a lot of questions. What's the context? Where is this going to appear? Is it the title of a brochure? Is it on a package? So oddly enough, sometimes you have to do a bit more research on sort of the sentence in space or a small job in space. Um, and really, I, I guess you have to almost think of schedules as well or scheduling. You know, all of us are um, essentially in every task we do trying to extrapolate an hourly rate. And if you have to set everything down, then you know look at a purchase order, figure out what you want to do with this job, do all the supporting paperwork. And, and I'm never a big fan of sort of blaming the system for costs, but it does exist, uh, especially in a firm like ours and others that are ISO registered. There's a certain amount of paperwork that you have to do with every single job. So that being said, Minimums exist for a reason, right? Right. And I mean, the translators have them too. They have to, you know, review the job, make sure they can do it, make sure it lines up with their specialty. Um, they have to bill us. They have to wait to get paid. So that all kind of factors into them having a minimum price as well. And I think it's important to note too, um, you know, sometimes people will look at a project, especially if they're doing it in a lot of languages and say, my gosh, I can't believe this one sentence is costing me this. Well, think of it this way. If you're in a regulated industry, that requires translation and editing on every job. So let's say some of our med device clients, um, you know, they actually require that by their SOP or their standard operating procedure to have a translator and editor. So if it's 24 languages, that means that there's 48 linguists involved in the project, as well as your project manager. If there's desktop publishing, it could be a few more uh, desktop publishers as well. So I mean, that's 
kind of the way that, that, that we like to think of it is if you extrapolate that, now I have to have 48 people that I need to manage, have them set down everything that they're doing, and then pick up the small job and right. do the work. And it's the project manager's job to make sure that that all flows smoothly. Everything happens within the timeline that the customer is expecting to. So they kind of have a heavy hand in the project too. They're not just like, oh, wave your magic translation wand and the project's done. They have to do a lot of work in that meantime. One who directs or controls, going right back to the exactly. uh, definition, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the professional service. Because, you know, all too often I think we hear, oh, gosh, it's just a sentence. You know what? I'm just going to go back to the shop floor and have someone do it from the shop floor. Um, what does that mean exactly? Uh, so that can be pretty risky. Um, basically, that means that the company has someone um, who speaks that language. Um, they might be a bilingual worker or maybe just they only speak the other language, so they may not have a firm grasp of the source English text. Um, but, you know, when you come to a translation agency, you have a, a reasonable expectation that you're getting professional translation. So um, we're going to we're going to put you in the best possible su- position we can to succeed. So, you know, these are professional linguists we're working with every day. Um, they are freelancers, but they do this all day, every day. That is their job. Um, so they're very familiar with the industry, very familiar with how the translation process works. Well, and, and also they're checking the translation memory to see if any of the terminology was used in previous jobs uh, to create consistency. I mean, those are all important steps. And you as the project manager are also then making sure that, again, going back to that sort of example project of 24 languages, you're going back to make sure that there's some sort of consistency across the 24 languages. If there's any questions that come up that, you know, all, you know, the entire team, all 48 linguists are well apprised of the situation and the answer and if, it, if something needs to be changed. I mean, it's especially true of, say, marketing headlines or um, a software string or something that, um, well, you know, where consistency and the messaging is very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's always important to make sure that all languages are on the same page. You're not just, you know, if, if your French translator has a question, you're not just responding to them, giving them the answer, just making sure that everyone knows that answer because it may affect their language as well. And we briefly touched on uh, ISO requirements uh, that are part of our registration, but also regulatory. Again, if someone's in a medical device uh, situation or, you know, they're a medical device client or if they're in uh, you know, heavy equipment, basically I always like to think of risk uh, the regulation is important, the ISO requirements are important, but I always like to pose the question, what would happen if there were an error in this job, right? So that level of risk will determine what level of service. Is it, you know, one linguist, two linguists? And, and I think that, um, you know, brings us up to that point. I think if we discuss the levels of service, it'll also help us when we, you know, later in the conversation when we talk about how to minimize the impact. Mm-hmm. Um uh, tell us a little bit about the levels of services and what the differences are. Sure. Uh, like you said, it all comes down to risk. Um, it might be different if we're doing you know, a technical manual for heavy machinery versus a company-wide email. You know, Those are two different levels of risk if there were an error introduced in there. Um, so the highest level of service is translating and editing. Uh, that gets you two uh, independent linguists who are both native in that language, obviously. Um, according to some ISO requirements, uh, they also have five years of experience translating or a degree in translation. I think we went over the ISO requirements in one of the other podcasts as well. Um, the next level down would be translator only. Uh, that would be with just one linguist. Um, same exact uh, requirements as the, the top level of service, but they're just going to self-edit. They're not going to have another set of eyes on it. Uh, and then 
kind of the last resort and one we don't really recommend. Uh, there is certainly a use case for it, but it's not something you want to use widely would be a machine translation. And and you can do machine translation plus editing, right? Is right, that, that also? too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would have machine translation plus a human editor. But we've gone through that as well on a, a previous episode where, you know, there's still risk involved in that even, even having one linguist on it. Um, if they're working with machine translation, it's a little bit more risky. And the price differential isn't really that much. I mean, no, um, machine translation with post-editing versus just having a translator take one swing at it is, I mean, basically the same price. Yeah, it's very minimal difference. And I think that's important. And one of the things that we do is we typically look at the use cases. You know, where is the text going? Um, we help the client understand the level of risk and what level of service makes the most sense. And even if they're considering two different levels, we just make sure that we uh, help them to understand what the risks are, how those risks are mitigated, and really help to understand, is this price difference worth it for you? You know, will that be okay? That's um, really our job as project managers. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we never know um, either, like, unless you tell us something, we're obviously, I say this all the time, is we're not mind readers. Um, if it is low risk for you or your firm, that's just something you need to let us know. We, I mean, we're going to budget and account for the top level of service, but it's certainly acceptable if you get a quote and come back and say, hey, I want a little bit lower level of service on this one. Yeah, an honest and open conversation is really the best place to start. As much as I like to think you're a mind reader, Patrick, yes, I know you're not. So um, so it brings us to, you know, we've, we've gone over levels of service and really um, dug a little bit deeper in terms of what the differences are, uh, how to help you pick the use case and match it to the price level and make sure that you're comfortable with the the level of service provided by the agency. But I think we want to dig a little bit deeper on fee structure um, because a minimum is not necessarily a minimum by itself, right? Sometimes there can be other fees added like desktop publishing or, you know, we've seen XML engineering. We've seen all sorts of stuff. Why don't you go over a little bit more about some of those other fees that could be involved? Sure. So it's all project dependent. Um, It's really based on what you need. One of my favorite things to do is um, receive a video request and say, can you translate this? Uh, to me, I have about a million questions when I see that uh, because you can do any number of things with the video. You can do subtitling. You can do voiceover. Uh, do you want your subtitles embedded in the video or do you want them just as an SRT? Um, so it's really important to kind of, as a buyer, know what you want, narrow down your scope, and that's going to determine the fee structure. Um, we're never going to charge you for things you don't need. If you have a simple word file, you're not going to get charged desktop publishing. That's just going to get exported uh, from the translation management system in exactly the same format. But other maybe more complex uh, file types like InDesign or Illustrator, there are going to be desktop publishing fees. It's just the nature of the files that we deal with. Uh, and then you mentioned XML um, engineering as well. You know, Sometimes you need to build a parsing template to make something translatable. So that's going to take time for our development team and project management team to come up with a way to be able to translate that file. Um, great point. So the parsing template, so everyone understands, you know, one of our jobs um, when we're given code files, whether it's XML or HTML um, or a special format, is to make sure that the translators can focus on the language or the content that's going to be shown to the user and not the codes. Um, if any of you have ever seen XML or HTML, you would know that there's a lot of tags And there's not only the tags that are sort of the boundary tags, but there's also inline tags. Um, And the proper placement of those tags and making sure that everything's in the proper order 
will will ensure that the final application builds properly. So as project managers, one of the things we have to do is build this parsing template. And what that does is separates the code from the content and it makes sure we don't screw it up for you, right? <laughs> exactly. It kind of doesn't allow the translators to see any of the code. All they see, like you said, is the language. And then they're able to translate just the language without having any of that code in their way. Great. And I would say buyer beware on some of these extra fees, right? I mean, you have to you have to make sure some of these services are included. In other words, if you give an InDesign file and you want an InDesign file back, you want to make sure that that's defined in the scope. But then you want to understand how you're being charged for those services. I would say always be careful when you're looking at an estimate and the fees aren't line itemed out. Like I'm always wary of a quote, whether it's for translation services or anything really, where it's sort of just this generic paragraph of text and one number. Um, I think as a buyer, you should really want to understand what the breakdown of those costs are. You should really demand it essentially. Mm -hmm. So that raised another question for me then. So if I'm a buyer, why is it more difficult for me to just go find a, an individual translator to do this rather than a translation company? So, uh, you know, the, the point that I always try to make with that is if you're hiring an individual directly, number one, for most corporations, that's very difficult to hire an individual because those people have to be added to the vendor database and there's sort of all that work. And let's say you hire an Ita Italian linguist. Well, that's what you have, an Italian linguist. But now when you have other languages, when you have other services that you need, like subtitling, narration, voiceover, that person may not have the qualifications to do that. They certainly don't have the qualifications to do the other languages. So from a simplicity sake, and I, I say this out of experience because I was an in-house project manager, um, and the idea is do you want to manage, manage one relationship or do you want to manage 48 relationships. So I think you should leave that to the pros. And there's also translation memory management, which is very important because if you don't have the tools to manage that translation memory, you're essentially leaving money on the table. You're foregoing all the potential discounts. Um, and I would also make sure that the agency gives you proper access to those translation memory assets, something that may be a little bit more difficult when you're dealing directly with a subcontractor. Um, also, if your SOP or standing operating procedure requires you to have um, vendors that are ISO registered, uh, the odds would be pretty slim that an individual would have any ISO registration because it is quite cost prohibitive to mm -hmm. make that investment. Yeah. And in my experience, too, um, <clears throat> from talking to some of these freelancers that we work with, if they do work directly with corporations, usually their rate is different because they don't have the same kind of relationship as they might with a language service provider. They're not maybe getting consistent work. It's maybe here or there that they get work, so they might charge them a little bit more. Um, and like you said, I think there's incredible value in the technology that a translation company can use versus you know someone trying to do their own translation effort within a company. Like you mentioned, the um, translation management system is one of the most valuable tools that we have. And to, you know, have to buy that for yourself, let's say you're a medical device company, you know, translation's not on the front of your mind, having that cost is something you don't want to deal with. So it's going to be easy for you to just, you know, push that off to your translation provider. They need a translation management system. They have it already. You don't have to pay for it. So that's, you basically get it for free then. Well, and it's also a matter of scale. I think those are all really important points, Patrick, in terms of the costs of that infrastructure and setting things up. But then there's also scale. We have a lot of clients that will have a project, you know, they typically work on a pretty even keel or an even 
uh, pace, but then all of a sudden they say, hey, we're going to release our PIM and it's 100,000 words and I need it done in a month. Or, hey, we have this um, due diligence that we're doing for a buyout and it's 10,000 pages of content and we need that done in three weeks. Well, there's no way that one individual can do all that. So with an agency, you have the ability to then scale up your team and have them you know, run um, run sort of a central operation by using that translation memory. Mm-hmm. So that's that's very powerful. I yeah, think. I like to uh, liken it to, you know, a lot of companies have IT departments that, you know, they're just a partner company that, that handles all their IT. It's not an internal department. They kind of just outsource all their IT work. It's something they don't have to deal with, but when they need them, they're there and they're the experts and they get it done quickly. Definitely. Um, and I think that brings us to, all right, great. So we understand minimums. We understand pricing structure. Well, how do we minimize the impact? So if I'm a client who typically only does these small projects, I I think it makes sense for us to give some suggestions on how they might minimize those costs. Mm -hmm. Patrick, do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, I'd say um, send as much content as you can. Let's say you you have a kind of packaging that you're going to put out there for different products. Send all of your packaging at once. Maybe there's only 10 words per package, but once you get 40, 50 packages in there, you might get over that minimum requirement. Um, and into per word pricing, which you're going to get the best value for your dollar there. You would want to choose the level of service. I think we went over that whole discussion on level of service. There can be some differences in the price. And for example, if you're doing just a sentence, translation, um, you know, one linguist self-editing might be completely appropriate in a place where you could save some money. And again, that brings you back to the use case. So, you know, what, where are you going to use the content is going to be incredibly important. And um, having a clear understanding of that is going to really help you to minimize the impact. In terms of the batching, I think there's also some strategies you can use. I, I think you, you brought up a really good point. Um, and I know I've heard clients say, well, I don't really know when the content is coming. And Because remember, these are small bits of content, and we can do a quick turnaround. So we sort of have standing um, standing days with a few of our clients, well, quite a few of our clients actually, where we know on Friday afternoons, they're going to send us a pile of text. And our agreement with them is that whatever that pile of text is, we'll get it done by Monday or Tuesday. And if you can sort of train your collaborators to say, hey, just so you know, my deadline's Friday at four o'clock, whatever you send me, I'm going to send that as a job. You know, that's a really good way to maximize your your value as um, um, when you're using a translation services firm. Yeah, I'd say absolutely. Communication is key, um, whether it be, you know, scheduling drops like you mentioned or just communicating the level of service that you might want on a specific project. All right, so now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of your job, Patrick. So how much time or effort, I think it's good for clients to understand a little bit about the steps that we take when building a quote and some of the things we look at. How much time or effort does it take to make a quote? And talk to me a little bit about what those steps are. Mm -hmm. So it's all project-dependent. No two projects are the same. It's really a matter of what you need. If you send us a Word file, you need a Word file back. That's an easy quote. We'll probably take 10, 15 minutes. Um, We just run it through the translation management system analyze it, grab our word counts, and then apply our pricing. If it's more complex, like a video project, um, that could take days to quote. Uh, We need to get all our resources from uh, the voice artists who we need, um, our engineering teams to kind of, if we're doing subtitles, to integrate that back into the video. So it's really all project depending on some of the e-learning projects can take a bit longer too. Um, So it's really, as a project manager, it's my job to explore all corners of a project, make sure all the bases are covered, and then come up with a quote. So 
there's no great answer to how long does it take to make a quote, but it can be from, you know, a few minutes to a few days, depending on how complex the project is. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think as uh, customers are doing projects with us, they'll get a feel for that. And again, we have some standing arrangements with clients as well um, around that. Like, all right, um, when you send us these types of projects, we promise to have the quotes back in X amount of time. And it also depends on the time of day. You know, we just went through a holiday. So whether, you know, whether there's a holiday involved, you know, is it a weekend? And those expectations all have to be covered um, with your agency, with your project manager. So just so everybody has the same set of expectations. Again, I can't stress enough how much open communication really helps this whole process. Yeah, I mean, I have certain clients too who they've been working with me long enough. They have kind of have a feel for pricing. They'll go, you know, if it's under X amount of dollars, just start, consider this approval. So, you know, you can get more more into it there and get into a pre-approval process as well with your, with your uh, vendor. And that brings up a, a really good point because there's a couple of things that we're working with right now. Um, we currently uh, work with creating custom portals for our clients to upload projects and we have all their pricing set into the system and they can get some instant quotes. And I, I think that's been a success. I know we're doing that with a couple of your clients, Patrick. Um, if you tell us a little bit about how that portal works. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, like you said, you can direct upload thing, uh, files into our translation management system. Uh, we've baked the pricing into that. Um, you can pick your level of service on there as well. Um, so a lot of it is kind of, you know, who you want to do kind of the, the front end work on the project before it goes to translation. Do you as a buyer want to do it? If so, then a portal like this would be a good option for you. Or if you want your project manager to do it, then, you know, it's as simple as sending me an email with your, your project. Uh, but as a buyer, you would go, you pick your level of service, uh, you pick your desired due date, you pick your languages, uh, and then basically it spits out a price bag to you. <clears throat> if you like it, you can say go. If not, you can contact the project manager for you know an alternative solution. Uh, but I think there's, at least personally, there's tremendous value to working through a project manager. Uh, they've managed <clears throat> hundreds, maybe thousands of projects that year, uh, so they've seen a lot and they know how to catch certain things that you as a buyer might not be aware of. Well, and I think that's an important point. point. Um, you know, gosh, uh, we've been in business 25 years and we've had certain types of customer portals or intake. And, you know, one of our beliefs as a company was that um, unless the portal provided value to the customer, there was no reason to have it because one of the last things we wanted to do was just transfer work to the customer. And I do think a lot of those portals do that. In other words, you're pushing project management tasks off on the customer. I provide, I believe our current model is a little bit better. And I think this is something that buyers should look for. You know, can you get immediate feedback on cost so you can make a decision? At least you're getting something valuable out of that. I think that's really important in a portal. And is it customized um, to work in a way that you like to work? So I know one of our more recent custom ones we put together, we added, you know, PO fields because the client wanted to create and add a PO for every single project. Um, so that was a neat little customization that helped them to do their job a little bit better. Now, looking forward, you know, hopefully um, in, in the near future, we're going to have some more to talk about and what we're sort of internally lab labeling as Argo 2.0 with um, a web-based portal that will really, really uh, facilitate fast transactions, especially on, you know, smaller projects. Yeah, I think it's important. Um, like you said, there are um, you know, online solutions basically drop and go. You drop it, it's translated, you get it back um, very quick. Uh, only one linguist typically working on that kind of stuff. 
but it's important to, again, like you mentioned earlier, to know what you're getting when you do that. Um, you know, that kind of sets the bar. That's kind of, at least in my opinion, a, just a peg lower than a professional translation service. It's still going to be very good. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's going to be, you're going to get a good translation because you have a good translator working on it. But like you said, it kind of transfers some of the work that your professional language service provider would be providing onto you as the buyer. Yeah, and I think definitely buyer beware again because there are some portals out there and many of them um, do not use full transparency. They use funny words like value translation or better or best, and they're using that to define the workflow. Um, <laughs> And what's hidden in that is that they might use machine translation for the first pass and just have an editor sort of doctor up uh, the project, which is okay if you know that as the buyer. Mm. There has to be full transparency. If not, you know, my favorite phrase for that is lipstick on a pig. <laughs> and if you don't know what you're getting, that's a terrible thing. Right. I, I certainly think there is a market for it. Some buyers really don't want to deal with the person. They want to drop it, they want to translate it, and they want it back. And that's all the interaction they want, which is perfectly fine. But again, it's like you said, you really need to know what you're getting um, and know what you're not getting too. If you're, you know, if you're paying a lower price, you're not getting as much as you would if you paid full price at a, a professional translation agency. Yeah, so. there, there is no free lunch, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that exists in translation as well. Right, so just as important as knowing what you are getting, it's knowing what you're not getting as well. Well, Patrick, I think this was a really um, good episode, really helped our clients understand a little bit about how to look at proposals and what goes into fee structures and how translation services are priced. What is your biggest takeaway from today? Uh, my biggest takeaway, and call me biased because I'm a project manager, is that um, project managers can add a ton of value to your project at a very, very low cost, um, which is that minimum charge. Uh, so, Are you saying this because your review is coming up? Maybe. Okay. I mean, it is raise season, right? <laughs> um, so I think project managers do provide a lot of insight. Uh, they do a lot of things that you as a buyer might not recognize, but they're going to be a tremendous value for you. For me, the biggest takeaway is transparency. I think it's really important. Um, you know, it really, it, it really made um, sense for different parts of our conversation today, but it seemed it was sort of the common theme or the common thread that um, brought all these conversations together or these topics together. You know, really understand what you're buying. You know, know what the service provider is doing for you. How many linguists? What are you getting? Are you getting access to the translation memory? Those are all really important topics and all go into sort of defining the scope of the project. So with that in mind, uh, thank you for joining Translation Confidential. That wraps up another episode. And until next time, this is Peter Argandizo and Patrick Daly signing off. <laughs>